Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So, Come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Man, what a cool episode. Uh, interviewed the CEO and co-founder of School of Wales, a brand new crowdfunding platform, talking about investing in purpose-driven real estate projects. So we took, oh, we go kind of deep, like geek out a little bit on investing and on the different projects and how they make a difference in local communities. Uh, Andrea, super interesting backstory. So we got to learn about her life and how she got to where she's at right now. But uh, it's a really interesting episode. Uh, stay tuned and hope you enjoy. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. And boy, do we have a special guest. My friend, Andrea Peterson, is in the house. What's up, Andrea? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, do you mind if I do a little bit of housekeeping before we get started? Go right ahead. So for listeners who are new to the show, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. We're about people are living their passions and those are creating greatness in the world. And Andrea is neither short of passion nor greatness. Um, so you guys always want to know, how do I get introduced to our awesome, awesome guests? Um, Andrea actually got introduced to me through a friend of mine, Hala Taha, through the Young and Profiting Network. So I'm super excited to interview her today. Um, couple things to know about Andrea. Andrea is a financial whale. She's a seasoned portfolio of experience ranging from commercial real estate to renewable energy, hospitality, banking, and just about like everything in between. And what, today we're going to be focused on talking about her new project, co-founder. She's co-founder and CEO of School Whale. So we're going to be talking all about that and uh, everything in between. But man, Andrea, welcome to the show. So pumped to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, me too. So listen, I want to kind of, you know, here at the Greatness Machine, we love hearing about people's origin stories. Would you mind, you know, kind of take us back? I know you have an international background. Uh, you're in Miami now, but I'd love for you to kind of, you know, take us back to, you know, how did you get to where you got to? I'd love to hear so, some of the background story. 
Sure. Um, so actually, I grew up in Venezuela from German and Norwegian parents. So I've always been very exposed to kind of international and eclectic backgrounds. Uh, but I spent my entire childhood in Venezuela, moved to the States and went to college in Boston. And uh, I was very passionate about politics and international relations, thought I was going to, I don't know, get on a plane and save the world. Uh, when I graduated and started looking for a job, I landed in the least saving the world job of all. I landed in a bank. Um, <laughs> and I just started working at the bank. And honestly, the culture was great. The people were great. I was doing really well. And I was kind of on that hamster wheel. Uh, finance was always something that came easily to me. I didn't realize that that wasn't the case for everyone until much later. For me, it was just this thing that was there and was natural. And I never really pursued it um, until I kind of landed in this job. Um, and then a few years later, I actually had my first son, which is what kind of made me stop and say, well, I don't know that I want to be in this very structured job that gives me very little flexibility. Sure. And from there, um, I was, I think the universe kind of put it on my lap. I, I had, I started having these opportunities to work with a very close uh, friend of mine um, and started learning all about being an entrepreneur and running your own business and about business in general. And, and I ended up managing a business's finances and, and through there kind of got in this whole non-banking, non-structured world, but it was always other things kind of pushing me towards that. It's not, you know, I'm not one of those people that has those stories that since I was 12, I knew I was going to do this. Or I, since I was 12, I knew I wanted to run my own business. I, I'm very structured. So I probably had life not pushed me in the direction that I'm going, I, I wouldn't have landed here. So um, taking a step back, were you brought up like, you know, your, your folks were, uh, were they, were they from Venezuela originally or were they from Europe and immigrated to Venezuela? They were, my mom immigrated with her parents when she was just six months old. So she grew up in Venezuela, but from Norway. Uh, and my dad actually didn't move to South America till he was in his 20s. So he was very, very German. Very. That's probably where I'm so structured from. Very yeah, structured. Right. So, so it was your mom's family like in the oil and gas business? Because I think Norway is big on that and so is Venezuela, right? Yeah, my grandfather actually went to Venezuela working for Aga, which is a, a gas company. So and, yeah, that's absolutely and, right. And was your dad also in that, or did he just randomly end up in in the Venezuela? That's that's pretty. I mean, that's kind of a random place to end up from Germany, right? He yeah, no, he wasn't in oil and gas, but he was a sailor. He grew up in Hamburg, and there's a very cold lake where he grew up sailing his entire life. And I think once he tasted the, the, the sailing in the Caribbean, he was like, yeah, I'm never going back to sailing in cold Germany. So that, <laughs> that was really his driver, I think. But he was, I mean, he worked in a company. Sailing was just his passion. Got it. So, so neither of your parents uh, came from an entrepreneurial background. Is, is that the case or was there entrepreneurial? Neither. No, 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 neither. That, and, and that's why, you know, when I left the bank and it was actually to work with close family friends, uh, I was blessed to have a mentor who, who was the company's owner and, and I learned everything about being a business owner from him. So that, again, that was really a blessing and something I, I got later in life. And it's what allowed me to kind of find my purpose and realize I always loved to work. I always um, stayed beyond five and, and just got very fulfilled by being productive. 
now I've realized that I can do that and actually be very passionate about what I'm doing. So got it. So, so, so uh, it sounds to me like the allure around entrepreneurism was really more around freedom, being able to really control your, your time, not necessarily the, the energy, right? You're going to put your energy in multiple different directions, but having the ability to kind of control your time in a way that was meaningful for you, um, both professionally and personally was a big part that pushed you into the entrepreneurial realm or was it something more than that? Originally, it was actually a necessity of time. It was having a baby and, and just, you know, this constant guilt that moms feel, you know, you don't feel you're doing enough at home. You don't feel you're doing enough at work and, and being in a place where I could really find my balance. It's grown into so much more than that. It's about really being able to build something that I consider to be better and doing good and putting something meaningful out there. So I, I appreciate that very much. And, and I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for my entire life. I, I kind of had a different experience from yours in that my dad was an entrepreneur. So it was like, yeah, like that's just, the, I was, I was, I was joked with people. I'm like, I just like, didn't like, I was unemployable from like the time I was born. Uh, <laughs> so, so for me, it was kind of quite the opposite, but you know, you know, looking at your background, it sounds like, you know, this is your, so th- this uh, at school Wales is your new project. Uh, this is your first time as CEO. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's right. It's my first time as CEO. It, uh, I now run an, another company, but I kind of grew into that school of Wales is the first project where I've hit the ground running as you know, it's, it's my project. You, you know what they say about being CEO? Oh no! What? Oh, I'm going I'm to drop some knowledge on you right now. Uh, you take all the bullets and and you get none of the credit. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, that's, that's, like that's I said, you... I, I've I've been incredibly blessed with mentors. So, so yes, I, I've yeah, seen it and I'm living it. Totally, it's a, it's the most thankless job in the world, but but it is it has tons of upside. So so welcome to the club. Pumped to have you here as a as a CEO as well as a co-founder. So let's talk about the new project, School of Wales. I mean, I was looking it up. This looks pretty incredible. I'd love to kind of take us, if you don't mind, kind of take a step back and talk to our audience and tell them like, what is School of Wales? How did you come up with it? Well, you know, what's going on with this project? Sure. So um, when I mentioned that I left the bank and I started working with the person who became my mentor, he actually sells, sells equipment in Latin America. And I was running the finances for that. Um, through a downturn in the business cycle, we started looking for opportunities in Miami and found uh, a great partnership with a local developer who now we have other business businesses with. Um, and as I watched him, he's a very out of the box developer. He doesn't build like the white cookie, ta- cookie cutter towers um, he looks to do things with purpose. And I found, I, you know, I, we, we grew very close. We had a long friendship, a good partnership. And I found that every time he went to try to get financing for one of his projects, he, he got a lot of resistance. Everybody thought he was crazy or, you know, they, they didn't know what to do with him. And then as he built out his projects time and time again, everybody, oh, they hailed him a genius after they called him crazy. Um, and when he would inaugurate any of his projects, you know, all of our friends would go and everybody would say, this is so cool. And, you know, I wish I could own this and this and this and that. And in multiple conversations, um, and as we watched that crowdfunding, which is essentially pooling people's money together to invest in something, became a thing and became legal. Uh, we said, how cool would it be if we could create a platform where people could actually invest in these projects? I mean, 
if you can give people an investment that they're proud of and that they think is cool and that also makes profits, because people have the misnomer that when something is, when a real estate project has purpose, it must be less profitable. And that's not the case. Um, so we said, how cool if we could build a platform where we could do that and invite anybody to invest in this? The banks are saying, I don't know, it doesn't fit our underwriting profile, but people will love it. And that's where School of Wales was born. So when we start talking about, um, so I totally get this right. You're, you're kind of banking the less than bankable. Obviously these projects are bankable from the sense of like, yeah, the, the bank will do it. They'll underwrite it and they'll, but they don't give you credit the way they would if it was a cookie cutter deal that fits their guidelines. Right. Um, and so, and so you're kind of almost creating a market for deals that make sense. It sounds like, but they don't fit the box of traditional that the traditional lender wants to see, which is really like anyone that understands banking will understand that. And I come from a banking background. Um, so we have that in common um, is that the regulators don't get it because it's because regulators are boring people that don't, <laughs> sorry, their job is, is boring and it's in the box and they have <sighs> rules and regulations. And so a bank wants to do something interesting. They're like, yeah, yeah, we don't want interesting. We want boring because we, we're protecting people's money that's in the bank, right? That's what it, that's really what the banks, why they won't do these funkier deals. So when you say purpose-based development or purpose-based real estate, like what, what does that mean? I, I haven't heard that term before. So we, you know, we underwrite and, you know, like I said, just because there's a purpose behind them doesn't mean they're any less profitable or we do any less due diligence when we underwrite them. We have a whole, you know, Let's say the left side of our underwriting sheet is traditional. The project has to make sense. Um, but then we look for something that has more. Let's say uh, the first project that we deployed money into is a historic property, which for somebody who hasn't developed a historic property, or even maybe somebody who has, you understand that it's much more complex to develop because there's, you know, the permitting process. You have to jump through so many more hoops. Um, so again, having rescuing a historic property doing something that fits the best need for the community uh where there's been thought beyond the numbers where there's been thought and what value am i bringing a building that is uh hailing the flag for green construction which is a little bit of an oxymoron because construction is a very polluting industry but that's trying to do its part so things again that have some sort of a purpose beyond just building and making money got it okay so so let's kind of if you don't mind walk me through this so uh, so it looks like you know i'm on your side here the the first project is this the historic post office that you guys did uh no that's the second project we we deployed money into the first one is uh 200 east flagler in downtown miami and it was actually uh it was built by mr walgreens it was the second or third world walgreens outside of chicago um in Miami, I mean, historic, you talk about a 1920s or 1930s property, and it's historic. Europeans would laugh at us, but right. Miami's a very <laughs> new city. Um, and it's actually being converted uh, into a food and entertainment destination. It's a you know, seven-story building, including the basement. It has, it's loaded with history. Al Capone used to run his uh, bootleg uh, business out of the basement of that building, it's, it's an incredible property. Anybody else might look at that building and say, mm, let's just see what the best, you know, with the square footage and how high we can go. Let's see. It's protected. So they can't tear it down. 
But this goes beyond that. It's bringing the property back to its original use. Walgreens weren't pharmacies like they are today. They were what they used to call soda fountains. And there were places where people would go and spend the entire day. The building is being kind of brought to that, to its original use in a much more modern way, obviously. And so, so with School of Wales, we're providing financing for these projects. Um, and, and, and I, and I want to go in deeper back into the projects again in just a second. But is the idea here is that you're kind of bridging the gap where you're saying, hey, look, we got this cool like 1920s Al Capone soda fountain spot. And it's, it, you know, we're buying it. We're going to go and build this cool project in here. Are you guys then, are you just doing the real estate side? Or are you doing the operating side? Or are you doing both? Like, like obviously in real estate week, sometimes you're the owner operator of the, the real estate. Sometimes you're just the owner of the asset. And then there's a business inside of it. Tell us a little bit about that. So as School of Wales, we invest in the company that owns the property. Um, and that company will lease out the building to the tenants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how School of Wales investors make money is essentially how the owner of the property makes money. You're investing directly into the property that we're investing in. But we're, we're investors. We're not, School of Wales is not an operator. It's just an investor. We have to partner with developers that have a track record, that have experience, that can show, um, you know, success in developing these properties and making them profitable and successful. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply and Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklyn and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Got it. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot uh, and, because I just realized something. Where did you guys come up with this name, School of Wales? I mean, that's, that's an interesting name, and, and I haven't heard that before. Well, it's an incredibly um, – so we have uh, these two really cool friends that got married and moved to Japan and decided to study uh, design in Japan, and they're incredibly talented. Uh, and when we told them about the idea, we said, you know, help us with the branding, help us come up with a name. And they came back with a few options after we told them kind of because part of what we want to do is not only be a platform for people to come and invest, but also for people to learn as much as they want to. If you want to just invest and I don't care what's going on, fine. But if you want to learn the process of investing and even go back to something as basic as financial mindfulness, we put out content around educating people about the importance of you know, finances and being financially mindful and then all the way into what it takes to develop a property. So when we explain the whole concept, you know, I can get on my soapbox all day long about how finances isn't taught in schools and it's, you know, the baseline for everything else. Um, But when we told them all about that, they came back with five name options and one of them was School of Wales. And uh, they explained that when they were doing research, they said, so a whale is a big time investor in a casino, a real high roller in a casino or a big time investor in Wall Street. And it's a play on school of fish with whales. It's let's all swim together to become whales. And then extra nerdy, if you look at our logo, it's a whale tail. But if you kind of look at it, it looks like an open book because we want to educate investors. We want to be a place where people, again, can come and learn as much as they want to. Nice. Okay. I love that. Yeah, and and, and yeah. I love the play on school fish, a whale being, you know, big, you know, there's a lot of crypto whales that are, are maybe now crypto minnows because they've lost all their money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So I, I got that. Okay. So, so really this is just kind of, uh, you know, essentially it's, you guys are the differentiating value proposition of this platform is you're out there looking for interesting, less than bankable deals or, you know, obviously, again, it's a piece of real estate. You can you can get a bank. You're just not going to get enough equity or it's not going to pencil out because the banks are going to make you, they're going to loan you 20 cents on the dollar when you need 60 or 70 cents, right? Isn't that how, how you're and, thinking about it? No. And frankly, they are bankable properties and, and developers, um, especially developers with a track record, can, will be able to get the financing. But it's so much more meaningful, right? If you can get people that are buying into the idea and like it. I mean, if people will throw money at a, I mean, when, when crowdfunding started, I don't know if you, I used to see these sites where people were like throwing money into, let's build the first, I don't know, pen that writes in space. And people right. would like send $20 without getting any promise of anything in return. If you can give people access, it's more for us, honestly, it's about opening up the access to this asset class 
that previously, you know, it, it was completely blocked off. And we're trying to make it, you know, if you invest a million dollars in a property, you're going to get a tour of that property. We open up and when we invest in a property, we offer investor tours for anybody who's in the place where we're, we're investing. For example, for the one in Miami, we did an investor like a hard hat tour, walk around the property. It was a group tour for anybody who had invested. We're trying to make that experience available to as many people as possible. That's really what it's about. The purpose part of it is because, you know, money really drives change and money makes the world go round for better or worse. So given the choice, yes, we want to back projects and we want to do things that are meaningful and that people can be proud of and make money with. So there's a lot of crowdfunding sites out there that are, you know, I think crowdfund is one that does a bunch of real estate deals. I come from an investor background. I invest in a lot of different deals. Um, just so I understand, is is this the equity side of the deal where you're out there raising? So let's say you're trying to raise, I'm going to pick a, a number just for round numbers. I want to raise a million bucks for, for, for a real estate deal. And clearly your deals are bigger than this, but I want to raise a million bucks. Or sorry, a million, I'm going to buy a million dollar property. Well, the bank's only going to lend me 650000 So I got to go raise 350000 Are you guys essentially opening up that 350000 slug, the equity side of this? For And you're saying, hey, we'll crowdfund this through School of Wales for these purpose-driven pro- uh, projects. Is that how you're thinking about it? Yeah, it's the equity side. Uh, for now, School of Wales isn't 100% owner of the equity side. You know, There's a risk analysis there for that as well. But um Yes, it's it's the equity side. You're buying directly. You're you're getting equity into in Florida's case, the LLC that owns the property. Got it. So it's specific into into these individual properties or projects, and and so now 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 I got my hard investor hat on, and I'm I'm underwriting your deal a little bit and saying, okay, well, cool. You guys are you know, you got this you know historic post office. You're raising money for it. It's, you know, valuation, 31 million bucks. You're going to raise 10 million or 7 million or something like that. One of the things I always look at when I'm, when I'm doing deals is I go, well, how much skin do they got in the game? I get that School of Wales is the platform, but I want to make sure that, that if people are making money on the transaction, that they got some skin in the game. Do the developers have skin in the game? Do you guys have skin in the game? Or is it just, no, the, the crowdfunding people have skin in the game and that's how, how it goes. This is for me personally. I'm just curious. No, no, sure. And that's why when, when I answered the question, I said it, School of Wales doesn't own 100% of the equity of the projects where it's invested. And I said that that was an underwriting component. It's exactly that. You know, I'm a big believer of skin in the game and how that plays in. Um, so, so, yes, either the developers have skin in the game or us as founders have skin in the game. And, you know, to be clear, the platform and, and the offering, because that's what it is, it's an offering, is SEC regulated, approved. You know, we, we have reporting requirements, et cetera. Um, and also, we don't raise by project. We're a blind fund in the sense of if you are appealing to people who can invest with as little as $500, the assumption is that they don't have the background, the know-how, or the interest time, whatever the case may be, to be doing the underwriting themselves. So it's, we're going to diversify you into real estate and within real estate, we're going to diversify you in different project projects that are at different stages of maturity that may be in different industries, etc. So you invest in the offering and then you're diversified within your investment, if that makes sense. 
So uh, it, it so when you say blind fund, how many? Um, I mean, is it like an evergreen fund? What's the how many deals are going to be in that fund? Is it just a rolling fund? How's that work? For now, it's a rolling fund. the The maturity of this fund should be in a in less than a year. Um, and for now, this fund has two projects, which is two hundred East Flagler and the historic post office, and we're underwriting two additional projects. So when you say there's two, so there's two assets in this fund, could there be more in the future or no, this is the fund, it's two and then we're good? No, no, there could be more. And then there could be more. Uh, We're underwriting right now a a few more. And then eventually, you know, future projects, this is us as a business, not talking to our investors. We're looking to open um, debt funds and other kinds of things so that on our platform, our investors can also have additional forms of being diversified. They can invest in equity or they can invest in debt or even almost like in a 401k where you can have like a balanced portfolio, offer those kinds of products. That's, you know, in the pipeline for us, for School of Wales as a business. So so I'll compare you guys to another platform that I know, Fundrise. How would you compare yourself to Fundrise? So Fundrise, I mean, they, they, they ran out of the gate with crowdfunding and the accessibility. They do a fantastic job. They're monsters you know that that they've done terrifically well i would say the main different and again what i'm talking about having options of debt and being able to have a balanced portfolio they have that you they actually i think part of and i'll speak for them and i don't know this but i'm assuming because they're investing in REITs that they actually have are raising more money than they have projects in the pipeline that's my assumption i may be wrong um the biggest differentiator, honestly, is our project pipeline and is this whole being proud and knowing exactly what you're investing in. You know, it, when you invest in Fundrise, you might get an email with a picture of a building and I don't know, and, and you know, it looks and you see it here. You kind of get walked through the entire process of the development. You can go and have a drink in the building that you own and say, I own this. It's it's having that tie in to what you're actually investing and feeling invested, emotionally invested more than just financially invested. Understood. Okay, cool. And, and, and listeners are like, man, Darius is like really asking her a lot of questions. It's because I'm an investor. So, so <laughs> I do, I mean, I do a ton of deals. I do a ton of syndicate deals. I look at tons of deals. I'm in, a, I'm in an investment group called Tiger 21 where all we do is look at deals. So for me, I'm like, I'm literally have my investor hat on. I'm like, I want to know about this. How's this work? Um, I, I so, love it. <laughs> so, so if you're not a Darius who who is looking at deals, and you kind of mentioned that 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 you know, I mean, a lot of the deals I'm looking at, the, the minimum check size is you know six figures, right? And so this is this is way more approachable. You guys have a minimum check size of is it five hundred dollars? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, when you go on our platform, it takes three minutes to sign up, and you can invest with as little as five hundred. Most people choose more, but there's a lot of investors that choose five hundred, and then you can even set up a recurring monthly investment with as little as ten dollars. Um, you know, set it and forget it kind of thing. It takes three minutes. You sign up, you're invested, then you have your investor dashboard. You get monthly updates from us. You get a newsletter. Um, we've put a lot of thought into being mindful of keeping our brand and we're we're actually a bootstrapped business for now. Um, And it's all been done because we wanted to make sure we didn't deviate from our original purpose and our original plan. Um, And it's to really make the investor feel uh, like, again, like they're part of this pod 
swimming into becoming whales and also the, the purpose behind it. That we, we really, I have the luxury when you talked about, you know, what drove the entrepreneurial desire, it was a necessity. But now that I have the luxury to be an entrepreneur, which can sometimes be a, a little bit of a curse and hard and, you know, be careful what you wish for. I, I really want to do things that I believe in, that I'm passionate about, and that I wake up feeling very proud of every day. And that's, this is definitely that for me. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love that. And, and, and I think it's so important, right? Especially if you're the CEO and founder and co-founder of the business, like especially if someone coming in from the investor side, you want to put your money where it was someone that, that has that perspective. Right. And that, that really does is there not just because they're trying to do more deals or they're there for something more. Cause there's, there's plenty. I, I just named three different platforms while we've been on this, on this you know interview that people can go, if they want to throw money into deals, they can do that. I'm curious, and, and and this, I guess, this goes to you know this idea of doing kind of more, I guess, unusual projects. Um, how much, like, on a typical deal, how much are you guys? What percentage of of the rate are you raising as opposed to taking debt? Because obviously, in real estate deals, you know, the debt is where you can get into trouble. It's where you can lose your money if it's over leveraged. So, when you guys start to think about underwriting deals, and when you guys think of acquisition, are you guys thinking? Hey, let's get as much equity as we can into the deal. Or are you thinking, no, let's juice our returns and we're going to kind of get as much debt? How do you guys, how do you guys think of risk? I guess uh, from from the perspective of debt and equity and and trying to underwrite the deals for to protect the investors' money. Yeah. So remember, we the the one who takes the debt is the developer. We don't um, we don't leverage our equity from our investors. We it depends on the project and the stage of maturity that it's at the first project we selected because we wanted to give our investors something that was more tangible and closer to completion is closer to completion and the project has a construction loan and then it has you know a bridge loan and then it's almost close to complete completion and then once it opens and as you know it's operating for a few months to a year it'll probably get you know once it's stabilized then it'll get another loan where you can cash out and then we can give our investors some of their principal back hopefully get it reinvested etc the answer is it really depends on the project. It's the developer that's getting the debt, and that goes into our underwriting. Um, that, that goes into the, the when I said you know there's two sides that goes into the financial underwriting for us of the project. It depends what stage they're on and what they needed the money for and the value of the land, etc. Or the building. And so are most of the are most of the developers doing like mes debt. And, and or bridge debt on top of first position debt? Or are they doing like how, because that's obviously, you know, the, I, I'm just trying to understand the, the, the typical deal. So yeah, I normally if, 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 you know, it's a new construction or a repurpose and there's construction involved. Yeah, that's usually the case. And so with that in mind, what type of targets are you guys shooting for on, 
uh, on deals for investors. I mean, obviously, it's nice to build stuff with purpose, but hey, we want to get returns on our money. What type of returns are you guys targeting? I know it might be deal by deal. It sounds like there's an idea of, you know, it's a fund, so you're kind of mixing different return profiles. But but what's what's kind of the target when you start thinking of, hey, investors need to get returns on their money. What type of target are you guys kind of aiming for ballpark? So to simplify, and again, because we are regulated and, you know, what I, I'd rather um, under-promise and over-deliver, but sure. we are a business and we do need to market and raise money. We offer an 8% preferred return that gets paid when the profits, when the underlying profits start making money. So when we get cash, the investors get paid first until they get an 8% annual non-compounding preferred return. Um, and then anything above and beyond that, we split 80% to the investors and 20% to the fund. So that's our carrot. We charge a 1% asset management fee. Um, but then where the fund would make money in the future is if the projects go well and generate above and beyond an 8% annual return. What's the target? It depends. Annual, annualized or, or you know, and, and again, because it's a blind fund and it has a lot of projects and it depends where you're going to measure it. The idea is that investors are making over eight percent on an annual basis. Got it. So the pref, the pref, there's a pref of eight percent in, mm-hmm. in the deal. Um, most real estate, probably depending on leverage profile or the risk profile, is going to be. And I'm I'm speaking on not on your behalf, just in my from my experience as an investor, is probably you know low to mid teens right now, um, mm-hmm. and from an IRR perspective. Um, so when when you start to look at, I guess, a, an investor that wants to come into a deal, how do they get their money out of the deal? Because at some point, maybe they, they maybe they, they give you their five hundred bucks. You guys kill it. You double their money. It's thousand bucks. But they go, oh great, I want to go buy. Uh, I want to go on a vacation for the weekend with my wife to like. I don't know where you go for a thousand bucks these days, but <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to the yeah, drive-in. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to eat dinner. Exactly. I want to go to the grocery exactly. store and buy groceries. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So how do I, how do I get my money out of your fund? How do I get my money out of School of Wales because I need it to go buy something outside of the real estate project? Yeah. So so you know, we tell everybody, and again, because we try, we we put a lot of educational content out there. We're very transparent. We say, listen, don't put this money that you need in six months into real estate. Real estate is notoriously liquid, and normally there's a trade off. Great returns come off with some sort of trade off, and as you know, in real estate, it's liquidity. We you know the the idea is for this to be a three to five year investment. Now, what we say is your money is locked in the first year that you invest. Um, Beyond that, it depends on the liquidity of the fund. Perfectly transparency. And then, you know, don't hold me to this, but there hasn't been a single person that has requested because, you know, we've had investors say, I got into this and they'll tell us the whole story or whatever. We've always, I want all my investors in the fund to be happy and proud. Again, that, that's a big part of what drives us. Um, as long as there's, there's liquidity in the fund, we, we honor those requests. But and, it is a three to five year projection. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And and so um, let's let's kind of move out of the deal because, you know, I, I'm sorry. And by the way, listeners, sorry, you got to hear me geek out. This is me. This is Darius risk brain kicking in right now. I'm like, all right, let's go and write some real estate deals. Um, so I want to move away from my nerdiness and move to, um, big picture, right? So school whales, this is a, you know, this is like, you know, what's the big hairy audacious goal. Let's say it's lean out 10, 15 years, 20 years from now 
Andrea, you and your co-founders have done everything and anything that you want to do with School of Wales. Paint the picture for me. What does School of Wales look like? Call it, it's the year 2040, 2043. Wow. Okay. So 2043. Well, I want to have become a platform that's not only giving accessibility to investors, but that is giving real, meaningful, impactful accessibility to developers. Because right now, you know, from a risk profile and, and we're starting off, um, I'm, I'm investing, you know, I'm, I'm vetting my developers, which I will always do. But 2043, I really want to be big enough. Like I said, money does make the world go round. And I want to be big enough where we're having a true impact in communities in terms of being the decision makers of what kind of projects are getting built. That, that you know, that, that would be hugely... Uh, validating so okay so so that i love that that's uh, and that uh, that's i think that's a cool that's a cool way to think about the future i'm going to go two different directions one direction is all right well how much how much money do you guys have you guys how big is it like financial i like big numbers like like in my business i i, I ran a huge lending platform and when i got there this was 10 years ago actually i got there 10 years ago and it was this like puny little platform and i said all right we're going to help a million homeowners you know, buy homes. And then literally, I kid you not, it ha- it happened September this year. Like we hit a million, right? Now, when I got there, like, like they had done like 5,000 in like 15 years. So, so that, so, so I always like to make people shoot for the start. So I go, Hey, listen, it's 2043. You're doing all this, the, the things you're talking about that you just spoke about. You're making that impact in communities. You have a lot of say as to the projects you're working on. Numbers wise, how big would you love to see this thing? Have you guys picked the number or am I putting you on the spot here? I mean, you're putting me on the spot mostly because I am. My, my nature is to be conservative. I mean, I, I, I come from a financial German background. You can imagine, right? <laughs> um, so I, I dream big, think small. And, and actually, you know, for right now, it's very community based. If I'm, you know, doing this building in downtown Miami, and if you know anything about downtown Miami, this is going to have a big impact. I just, I want to feel proud of what I'm doing. I mean, I, I, a big question for me is what defines success. And for me, success is feeling at peace. So, you know, when you, when the lotto is at whatever the billions that it gets to, and you start having these conversations, you know, yeah, there are certain things I would do if I won that amount of money. After that, I, I you know, I'm I'm, leave, I'm living my life in a way that is very aligned with my values, and that's a luxury, and I, I, I'm trying to live in peace. So for me, it's not so much about the number. It's about really just putting good out there, and I know that sounds very, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'm here, and I, and I want to make money just like everyone else, and I want to make money for my investors. That's what we're here for. <sighs> Right now, just providing those opportunities and having an impact and opening up these discussions and showing people that you can do really cool things and, and still make money is and do things the right way is, is really what we're here for. I love it. So you don't know this. I'm a conscious capitalist and that was a total conscious capitalist answer. So uh, you call that, you know, yeah, totally. It was. <laughs> so people, what you just heard Andrea say is, yeah, success than significance. And it's about creating significance in the communities you serve, you know, doing great by doing good, right? Like you can make money by doing good in the communities that you serve. And that's that's conscious capitalism. That is actually their mantra is like doing great by doing good, right? Financially speaking. 
about, you know, we create goodness in the world and that creates great financial outcomes. So I love, I love that that was your answer. And, 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 and I'm, I'm in full support of that, that way of thinking. Um, I think of business that way as well. So, um, you know, I, 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 have been, I've been throwing fastballs and curveballs at you and I, and I appreciate you being a sport for all my questions. Um, I, I, I did have, you know, you know, one, one big thing I wanted to cover with you though, you know, I think that, you know, right now when you start to think of projects like it sounds like you guys are really interested in doing you know these projects that are interesting and and being able to really i guess care about the integrity of of the communities that you're serving from a historical standpoint not going in and just knocking down a a building and putting up some ugly vanilla high-rise because you can maybe it's a protected historically protected building and you can't do that, but it's really, you know, kind of holding up the integrity of the architecture, holding up the integrity of these, these real estate developments for the communities they serve. So if you were to like, if I said, Hey, you get to a magic wand, you get to pick like the coolest project ever that you're going to get to work on. Like, and, and, and you got, you gotta, you gotta pick it now. I can't think about it too much, but you got, and it can be outside of Miami. It can be inside Miami, but I'm like, Hey, you got to go redevelop this one thing. What would it be? I don't know if it's a redevelopment and it's actually a project we are underwriting, but I think Miami being, uh, one of those cities that, everyone says we'll be washed out and, and being so close to the ocean and being so intertwined with the ocean and the environment. We're kind of, you know, that, that meme of the dog sitting in all the flames that that's like Miami and, and we're not doing enough and it's almost impossible to recycle here. And you know, I, I can go on and on, but there's this project that is looking and, and I think I alluded to it earlier that is looking to try to, bring green components. I, the, it, we're still not sure if it's going to be uh, purely residential or have a hotel component or have a co-working component, but that even visually from the outside is going to look very green, whether because it has a lot of nature components, and then it's going to have you know, micro gardening and, and things like that within the building, which what happens then? You attract tenants or owners or whatever the case may be who are aligned with the purpose of the building. And then visually Miami skyline needs to start having those things that speak to what we should be doing as a community. So that's one that if it can be made as cool as I imagine it, it's, it's a dream. And again, if we can incorporate they they talk now, there's all these new technologies around construction. I think it's early, but it's being worked on where, where construction can be less polluting that would also be fantastic. I love it. I love it. It sounds like a really interesting eco project. So uh, you kind of, it, it, that really leads me to my next question, which is, you know, is the thought here really, you know, sounds like Miami is where you are. That's where you're really focused. Is the idea with School Wales, it's like, yeah, we start in Miami, then we go global. Is it uh, to make it just national or is it just, no, we're just going to, we're going to really focus on local first. And if it goes elsewhere, great, but we're really focused on Miami. I'd love, love to hear your thoughts on that. The idea is to go national. Um, What's happened is that, you know, since, and we started working on this in 2018, but, you know, building a website, which is a whole world on its own and getting SEC approval and all of that, it it was work and took time. Um, But since we started till now, and as you know, Miami's 
booming and there's a lot of real estate opportunities that provide really interesting uh, return profiles because like I said we are looking to make our, our investors money so opportunistically and because of the network and everything that we have here we, we've just encountered these opportunities we know the community really well as well so when you know we hear about what the building is going to do for the community it's really easy for us to underwrite that whole purpose side of it as well the idea is not to stay in Miami um, but right now it's been very easy to find really good projects in Miami that's or so South cool. Florida, because we're underwriting a few in Broward, but South Florida, yeah. And, and, and where, where, where's your next big city you think you're going to go to after after South Florida, Miami area? I don't know is the short answer. I, I really, <laughs> I don't know. There's so many cool cities, you know, so, so the world's your oyster there. So Andrea, uh, we always like to end our shows by asking all of our guests the same question. You know, at The Greatness Machine, we're all about people living their passions to create greatness in the world, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And I always love to ask people this question, you know, what in your life have you found to be the number one barrier to you creating greatness in the world? What was it and how did you overcome it to continue to build all the greatness that you've been building? So honestly, and and I mentioned this in in the intro, when you asked me my origin story, um, you know, I I don't know what you believe in or the, the laws of attraction or what it may be, but I think that the greatest barrier was my own practical and rigid nature and and trying to you know that leads to a certain amount of risk aversion and always thinking you know I've always acted with my head first which you know nobody can argue that that's good except when it goes over everything else and I spent a lot of time you know doing what I was supposed to do getting the good grades going to the good school you know going to the good job you know nobody could say I wasn't doing everything right but I wasn't listening to my gut. I wasn't listening. I wasn't aligned with what made me tick. I didn't even really, you know, I I had felt it at times, but it wasn't a constant thing. Um, I think that was the biggest barrier having been out of touch with that. And I think getting in touch with that has been my greatest journey and the, the most fulfilling part. And I was incredibly blessed to have these circumstances and these mentors and these people around me who made me feel safe and protected and that I was taking less risks to start to explore these things to get to where I am today. So I think I myself and this whole need to be perfect and do things right was my biggest hurdle and is still something I have to like fight against a lot. I love that. I mean, really what I'm hearing you say is like living your purpose, you know, being aligned to your values, leaning into those not being stuck in in this like perfection mode, but being around like what's resonating for you. So I, I really love I really love that answer. Oh my gosh, so cool! I'm so excited for the project School of Wales. So um, look, anyone that's interested to learn more about what you're working on, learn more about School of Wales. Where can they connect with you? Where can they co- learn more about School of Wales? Sure. So our webpage is schoolofwales.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Andrea Peterson. You can find me. School of Wales is on LinkedIn. And then our social Instagram, I think, is where we're most active is at Wales Fund. Um, and I actually, you know, I'm on the direct messages all the time. Our email is hello at School of Wales. Um, so any any which way we're, we're available and eager to hear from people. We love interacting. We actually have, a, sorry, a New Year's uh, finance challenge of how to start the new year getting your finances on track right now that it's, it's fun. It's fun to see people's responses. 
Very, very cool. You guys, so go check out School Wales if you want to invest. There's some really cool projects on here. I was checking it out while, while we've been on the show. Really interesting. I mean, I love this idea around purpose-driven projects, you know, people being able to like really be a part of something greater than themselves, especially when it comes to their money and their life. And it sounds like you guys are going to be doing some amazing projects uh, from here going forward with School Wales. So, um, Andreas, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I mean, it's been, it's been a pleasure getting to spend time with you and to learn about your journey and what you're working on. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm very, I'm a very curious person. So hearing people's stories and you putting people out on the platform is, is great. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, the feeling is mutual. So, uh, with that said, listen, guests, or excuse me, listeners, <laughs> audience, um, you heard it here first. Go check out School Whales. Um, if you love this episode, share it with friends. Maybe you have friends out there that want to look at some cool investments. This is a great opportunity for them. I really love the fact that you guys are doing going to be doing learnings on the platform. So that's a great place for people to learn more about investing. Uh, so go check it out, schoolwhales.com. Awesome website. And if this is going to resonate with you or you think this might be helpful for a friend or family member, share this episode. Leaders were givers. Um, and last but not least, if you love what you heard, Give us a review, rate us, where all podcasts are are promoted. And um, with that said, we appreciate you so much. Peace out. We love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on. So that you don't miss any of our future episodes, we have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. 
Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.